Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for making us to be among the living today. We know that we are not worthy, and that's why we thank you for your mercy, your goodness, your kindness, your long-suffering, your patience with us. And we thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you have given to us. We also know we don't deserve them. So, Lord, our gratefulness is uh, very high for you, Lord. We are really grateful that you give to us all the things that make life comfortable, that you sustain us, you give us good health. Blessed be your holy name, O Lord. Now, Lord, we ask for greater blessings, spiritual blessings. As we have woken this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and grant to us that most precious gift of your Holy Spirit to shape in us, to lift us up to heavenly places, to help us, Lord, that our character will be formed into that of Christ more and more. Put your words in our mouth, Lord, that the things we will speak will be a blessing to all who would hear. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling February 4 Purchase of Christ's Blood For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 and 19 You must consider that you are not at your own disposal to do that which you please for your own self. You are the Lord's property. Christ has purchased you with the price of his own blood. Your body is to be sanctified unto the Lord as a vessel unto honor. It is Christ's purchased possession. Then preserve every power, every organ as an instrument unto righteousness. Satan desires to have your brain power and your will but they belong to Christ. Consider always, I am not my own. I must carefully and holily cherish every part of Christ's purchased possession. Satan may try to bind you to his car chariot as a helpless soul, but shouts in victory that Christ has made you a free man. Do not dishonor God by one expression of inefficiency and inability to overcome fully, entirely, and gloriously through Jesus Christ, who has died to redeem you and make you a free man. Conquer, yes, conquer. Put your will every moment on the side of God's will. Think hopefully and courageously. In faith, cry out against Satan and looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith, say, Jesus, my Redeemer, I am weak. I cannot do anything without thy special help. I hang my helpless soul on thee. Then let your imagination dwell on the thought that you are in the presence of Jesus walking with God, your life hid with Christ in God. 
then you will not glorify Satan by imagining yourself weak and helpless. You will keep yourself uplifted into a pure and holy atmosphere. You will receive the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a sanctifier. You will have a calm, restful spirit in God. You will say, Jesus lives, and because he lives, I will live also. He has conquered Satan in my behalf, and I will not be conquered by the devil once. I will not disgrace my Lord and leader, but I will triumph in his holy name and come off more than conqueror. Amen. The title of our devotion is Purchase of Christ's Blood. Yesterday, we looked at a building block to this topic which is titled, I Am Not My Own. And today's devotion will be building on what we studied yesterday which was titled, I Am Not My Own. When we looked at yesterday's devotion, I Am Not My Own, it was done for the purpose for us to understand one thing and one thing only. We do not belong to ourselves. It was geared towards that direction so that everyone would understand the ownership of our life belongs to God and not to ourselves. Having understood that, today we want to understand how to live in this mindset, how to walk, behave, talk with the knowledge that I do not belong to myself. Our key text is 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 and 19 which expresses the same thing telling us for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I remember yesterday somebody mentioning what, it, what was used to purchase us. But I would like to go through the whole history of man's purchase and why we are even using the word redeemed in the first place. We are owned by God because he created us. But now we are talking about God purchasing us. What happened? Why did God need to purchase us? I mean, he owns us already. The story goes that Adam and Eve sinned against God. And we need to understand the implications of that sin. When Adam and Eve listened to the devil, they gave their allegiance to him. And God, being a gentleman, understands that if that is who they have chosen to listen to, then they have chosen the devil as their God. Because your God is the person you choose to listen to. You can look at Exodus chapter 7 verse 1 to one and 2 to understand that when God was speaking to Moses, he told him that I have made you a God unto Pharaoh, and Aaron shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak unto Aaron, and Aaron shall speak unto Pharaoh, and tell him to let my people go. God said he made him, uh, Moses a God by virtue of the fact that he is the one that is going to be telling Aaron what to say and telling Pharaoh what to do. When Adam and Eve, in the light of two Strikely, op strikingly opposing instructions from God and Satan chose to listen to Satan. 
they chose Satan as their god. So their ownership changed. It was now Satan who owned them. By right, he is supposed to control us. Because through Adam, sin passed on to all men. And we as humans ought to be under the control of none other than Satan. He is the one who owns us. But our Lord Jesus Christ did something wonderful to purchase us back from Satan. He came and died for our sins. And one will ask, how does that bring us back to God's ownership? By every means. One thing that Adam and Eve lost when they chose to listen to Satan is the power of the will. The power to choose. That is what the will is. The power to choose and carry out what you want to do and not what someone else wants to do. You see, under the ownership of God, we have the power of the will. That is, the power to make a choice as to what we will do and what we will not do. But under the power of the devil, you don't have that. If you choose the devil to rule over you, he takes the power of the will from you and controls you to do what you do not want to do. Anyone who is listening, as far as you are in this world, you certainly have had an experience of that. So, if you look at yourself struggling with one habit or the other, that is an evidence to you that you are experiencing what happened after Adam and Eve sinned, giving over the power to the devil. But Christ promised that he will place enmity between man and the serpent. That is, he decided that he will break that chain that Satan would not have full control and that's how Adam and Eve were able to make choices and people before the coming of Christ were able to make choice to follow Christ. If not for that statement, man would have been the lawful captive of Satan doing his bidding all the time, incapable of practicing righteousness. It is this power of the will that God restored to us. I want to read something from Education, page 29, paragraph 1. It says, As through Christ every human being has life, so also through him every soul receives some ray of divine light. Not only intellectual but spiritual power, a perception of right, a desire for goodness exists in every heart. A desire. But against these principles there is struggling and antagonistic power. The result of the eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is manifest in every man's experience. There is in his nature a bent to evil, a force which unaided he cannot resist. To withstand this force, to attain that ideal which in his inmost soul he accepts as alone worthy, he can find help in but one power. That power is Christ. Cooperation with that power is man's greatest need. In all educational efforts, should not this cooperation be the highest aim? Yeah, close of quote. So this is making us understand again, everybody experiences what Adam and Eve did in that struggle. But my point is, when we understand that we are not our own, then we realize that we ought to give ourselves, our body, mind, soul, everything to God for it to be used to his glory. But there is this struggling antagonistic power that wants to take possession of the brain, that wants to take possession of the heart, of the muscles, and use them 
not for the glory of God, but for the glory of self. And today, we are understanding that when we have understood that we are the purchase of Christ's blood, we can actually give ourselves over to him and we are going to see how that is done. It says here that Satan may try to bind you to his car chariot as a helpless soul. I believe many of us have experienced this where you struggle and it looks as if you are not gaining any headway. You are not advancing. Nothing is moving forward. Now you realize, I belong to Christ. I ought to give myself to him. But for the most part of your life, you didn't know this and you were doing the devil's bidding. Now you see, oh my brain. I'm not supposed to use my brain to think things that are impure. I'm not supposed to use my eyes to feed on impure things, things that the word of God has said I should not do because he owns my eyes and he has dictated I shouldn't use it for this. Psalm 101 verse 3, I should set no wicked thing before my eyes. My mouth will speak no perverse thing. My lips shall only speak of the praise of the Lord. I should only speak things that edify the hearers. I shouldn't sing songs that are not good. I should not use my muscle, my, my hands to do things that do not glorify God. But I have been doing it before. Now I want to do what Christ says I should do. And then it really looks as if I am bound to a chariot, to a car that I cannot even move and Satan wants to drive me in a different direction. Now we are told how, how we can give ourselves over to God so that we can be using ourselves for his glory so that we can fulfill that belief in the mind that says we are not our own and we can really understand and practice it that God is the one that owns us. How do we then do it when we realize we are in this situation? We are told and I want us to practice this by faith because there is a step-by-step acts that we should do first of all we are told shout in victory that christ has made you a free man do you understand that you are a free man do you understand that through the death of jesus you have been given the power of choice the power of the will has been restored to you you can choose and do what you choose to do you are not a slave to satan you only obey him because you want to but since christ died for us he restored to us the power of choice not even just the death was just the ratification of the statement right from the time adam and eve sinned he already restored the power of choice by saying to them that he will place enmity between man and the serpents that enmity he said he would place that he has placed in us is so that we can we will not completely be given over to this to the devil he restored the power of choice to us so we can rejoice that we are free we are not bound to satan as if we have no choice Don't think that you are bound to him. The very fact that you can do one good thing, one, is an evidence that you are not bound to the devil without a choice. The fact if the devil was in complete control, you will not be able to do just one good thing, even one, even one. And God, Jesus even made it clear, he he, he said it, that if ye being evil know how to do good things unto your children. So Jesus even recognizes that even the most evil person does good sometimes and i'm telling you that if that evil person was completely under the control of the devil he would not even be able to do one good so my point is the very fact that you can do one good is an evidence to you that you have the power of choice so you can rejoice that you have that freedom that christ has made you a free man now since you are free you can conquer you can through christ overcome fully entirely and do not say to yourself that you are inefficient and that you are unable you are able to overcome you must have this mindset and it's not just positive thinking it is truth it is fact 
that you can overcome. So rise up and realize, oh, I have this power. Oh, Christ has actually restored it to me. Therefore, I should exercise it. If you didn't know, you feel, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. But know now that you have the power. It has been given to you through Christ. Not that you have it in yourself, but Christ gave it to you. It is now for you to exercise it. The next thing he says, put your will every moment on the side of God's will. What does that mean? I've been saying now that Christ restored the power of choice to us. That is what the will is. The will is that governing power in man, not just his desire, not just his inclinations, but his power to choose and do what he chooses to do. That is what the will is. Let me just read from a dictionary what the will is. It says here the will is one's independent faculty of choice, the ability to be able the ability to be able to exercise one's choice or intention it is not the ability to desire it is the ability to exercise that thing you have chosen to do there's a difference between desiring to do something and actually doing it the will is the ability to exercise your choice not just to choose but to do what you have chosen now when we are told place uh, your will on the side of christ that means that your ability that you have to decide something choose something and then carry it out you have been using it on the side of satan you see something that is not good you say i want this thing and then you do it it's not that you were forced to satan cannot force you to sin he can only suggest he can lure he can attract he can uh, make things look glamorous to our eyes but every time we make our choice now in order to make christ to become the one who owns us to give him what he owns which is our brain our mind our muscle everything our organs our possessions we must place our will every moment on the side of god's will that is your power to choose your power to say i want to do this and then you carry it out then the next thing we are told think hopefully and courageously that's another thing you should do your imagination now now the will is being used on the side of christ then the imagination shouldn't go negative stop imagining things that will make you think oh i can't do this i can't do that there's wrong there's so much inability in me no think hopefully that things will be well no matter how bad things look now maybe you keep failing but you are told do not ever think despondently or in despair always think hopefully and courageously next thing now the use of your lips in faith cry out against satan and looking unto jesus who is the author and finisher of your faith you should say jesus my redeemer i am weak i cannot do anything without thy special help i hang my helpless soul on thee imagination comes into play again let your imagination dwell on the thought that you are in the presence of jesus walking with god your life hid with christ in god so these are the things we should do in order to bring ourselves back under the control of our owner we do not own ourselves we have realized it but we see ourselves doing things for using our our our, possess, our body that does not belong to us but belongs to god but we are using it for something that he does not want us to do with it we are using our possessions for something that the owner said we shouldn't do with that thing okay now we want to give it back to him but we see that there's a struggle because someone else has been claiming ownership of something that does not belong to him which is the devil now we want to give it back to god and god is telling us this is the way you have to do it it is by the power of the will using the imagination of all your faculties and bringing them back on the side 
of Christ. Now, what will be the result of all this? It says, then, after you have done this with your imagination and your will, then you will not glorify Satan by what? Imagining again. Imagining yourself weak and helpless. The imagination is very important in this thing. You must think the right way. Think hopefully. Think courageously. Don't think like a weak person. Think not because there is strength in you, but because Christ has given you the strength. Do not imagine yourself weak and helpless. You have the strength. You, the next thing is, you will keep yourself uplifted into a pure and holy atmosphere. Intentionally put yourself under pure and holy influences. That comes with your memory now and still your will. Listen to godly things. Sing godly songs. Expose yourself to environments that are encouraging spiritual things. Do not use your mind, your brain to store up in your memory things that will only come back through the imagination to haunt you. Things that will bring you back on the side of Satan. Lift yourself up to a pure and holy atmosphere. What will be the result? You will receive the Holy Spirit as a comforter and as a sanctifier. You will have a calm, restful spirit in God. You will say, Jesus lives and because he lives, I will live also. He has conquered Satan in my behalf and I will not be conquered by the devil once. I will not disgrace my Lord and leader, but I will triumph in his holy name and come off more than conqueror. These things have been said, but I pray that the Holy Spirit will impress them more deeply in our hearts and give us the victory through Christ so that we can restore back to him what is his purchased possession in Jesus' name. Amen. The possibility for victory lies in Christ, not in ourselves. I am charged with this knowledge because God knows that the more we think of our weaknesses, there is no way forward. It will be much of failure and despondency. So we are all acquainted with our weaknesses and that's not where God is going today. He wants to lead us out of ourselves into his own strength. In the parable of the talents, Jesus tells of three persons whom he committed talents. The first five, the second two, and then the last one. And each came back with uh, a double of what God gave them except the last person. And what was his charge? He charged God that he was a hard master requiring what he had not given. In our minds, some of us, when we see the standard, the expectations of God on our behalf, on us, we feel God is requiring too much because we have a thorough knowledge of our weaknesses and our past and our failures. But God will not have us excused on this basis. I'll read a quote here, and it's in Christ's Object Lessons, page 362. It says, Our Heavenly Father requires no more nor less than He has given us ability to do. He lays upon his servants no burdens that they are not able to bear. Psalm 103 verse 4, He knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. All that he claims from us, we would, through divine grace, render. I'll take that again. All that he claims from us, we, through divine grace, can render. Unto whomsoever much is given, 
of him shall much be required luke 12 verse 48 we shall individually be held responsible for doing one jot less than we have ability to do the lord measures with exactness every possibility for service the unused capabilities are as much brought into account as are those that are improved but when we give ourselves wholly to god and in our work follow his directions he is responsible for its accomplishment he would not have us conjecture as to the success of our honest endeavors not once should we even think of failure we are to cooperate with one who knows no failure we should not talk of our own weakness and inability this is a manifest distrust of god a denial of his word when we murmur because of our burdens or refuse the responsibility he calls upon us to bear we are virtually saying that he is a hard master that he requires what he has not given us power to do so has god given us a power yes as many as received him to them gave he power to be the sons of god there is no way looking at ourselves we can overcome sin but there is no way looking at christ we cannot overcome sin there is no way up to this point it has been proven at least to any living christian who has struggled with sin it has been proven that we cannot overcome in our own selves yes but jesus says with me all things are possible so i am believe I, I want to concentrate on the imagination the fact that in our minds we need to picture victory not given any shade of loss or uh, defeat that's where I, I i feel this lesson and i i know from experience a little experience that the more we picture victory not knowing not minding how many times you have fallen not minding how many times you have been beaten down see it doesn't matter how many times you have fallen or a child falls the possibility of that child is all things being equal that child can walk no matter how much the toddler falls moons his or herself the possibility in that child is that you can walk so the child will not say oh i have fallen a hundred times the child does not even keep a record of how many times he or she has fallen it doesn't all he knows is there is a push there's a power within him to move and he moves and that's why we're working today paul says that i know that in me dwells no good thing that's one but the bible says it is god who works in us both to will and to do and god cannot give birth to someone who is a weakling the possibility lies in god not in me so i'm not looking at myself i'm i'm gone past that level of looking at how strong we are told don't talk or think or dwell on your inability we have passed that level god wants us to now dwell on his strength i'll continue where i was reading in christ's object lesson it says to be clothed with humility does not mean that we are dwarfs in intellect deficient in aspiration and cowardly in our lives shunning burdens lest we fail to carry them successfully real humility fulfills god's purposes by depending upon his strength so we are fighting that's where the quote and we are fighting 
the good fight. Not as if we are going to lose or coming back every day. I speak to myself and I speak to everyone who is listening. Not coming back every day as if, oh, today who knows what is going to happen. Who knows what today is going to happen. Today we know it's a day of victory as long as we trust in Christ. Paul said, I can do all things. And that's not a motivational talk as an empty motivational talk. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we need to resolve to walk in Christ, resolve to depend on his strength, resolve to fight the good fight of faith. Paul says, I beat my body. I bring it under. under. Whatever desires or passions, in fact, whatever desires or passions that want to um, overshadow, override what Christ is, is meaning to do to me or to, through me, I bring them, I'll subject them, not by my own power, but there's a power outside of myself, beyond myself, that can achieve these things. So, let us think of victory. Think of success, not failure. Depending on God. Even if I fail, there must be something I need to know. Lord, show it to me that I have not done right. And He shows it to you unto me. We try it again and keep moving forward. There is no failure with God. All success. May God help us to be sent. Amen. I'll read from the second paragraph. It says, You must consider that you are not your own. You're not at your own disposal to do that which you please for your own self. If I continue to fly solo, it will definitely end in sorrow. Put your will every moment on the side of God's will. Put your will every moment on the side of God's will. Why? Satan desires to have your brain power and your will, but they belong to Jesus. Now think of your brain as a hard drive, a hard disk, then your will as the software. The software controls the hardware. But Satan desires to hack our brain power through his software. As, a, as smart as a computer is, when it is hacked, I hope you've seen where, um, you've seen where a computer begins to behave strangely when it is being hacked. It carries out the functions or the designs or the desires of the hacker. I'll read from Psalm 62 verse 5. Say, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Wait thou only upon God. Our expectations can only be met by God. But you see, Satan wants to divert our desires and our wills to place them on people and things and circumstances. But people and things will change and they can no longer meet our expectations anymore. As we see them crumbling, we are disheartened. The effects or results of this simple misplacement is seen in the form of anxiety, worry, distress, divorce, hypertension, alcoholism. In fact, in Ministry of Healing, it says 9 out of 10 diseases begins in the mind. Desire of Ages, 
page 330, first paragraph, it said, There are many whose hearts are aching under a load of care because they seek to reach the world standard. They have chosen its service, accepted its perplexities, adopted its customs, thus their character is mad and their life made a weariness. In order to gratify ambition and worldly desires, they wound their conscience and bring upon themselves an additional burden of remorse. The continual worry is wearing out the life forces. Our Lord desires them to lay aside this yoke of bondage. He invites them to accept His yoke. He says, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He bids them seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And His promise is that all things needful to them for this life shall be added. But many who profess to be his followers have an anxious, troubled heart. Because they are afraid to trust themselves with God, they do not make a complete surrender to Him. For they think and shrink from the consequences that such a surrender may involve. Unless they do make this surrender, they cannot find peace. It is the love of self that brings unrest. We are purchased of Christ's blood. We are not our own. Christ is calling us. This is an invitation. So whether we know it or not, we are weary and heavy laden. All are weighed down with burdens that only Christ can remove. The heaviest burden that we bear is the burden of sin. If we were left to bear this burden, it will crush us. But the sinless one has taken our place. The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 verse 6. He has borne the burden of our guilt. He will take the load from our weary shoulders. He will give us rest. The burden of care and sorrow also he will bear. He invites us to cast all our care upon him, for he cares and he, carry, he carries us upon his heart. This is Ages 3, 28. Now you see what Satan is doing. He wants us to, he, he's, remo he's like turning our attention from Christ. And we can put it on anybody or anything or any place else. That's his method. He will use the food we eat, the things we drink, the things we watch. And those are his softwares to hack us. Now, as long as we put our attention, our expectations, or our will on anything else, we are sure to fail. Then there will be trouble when people do not meet our expectations. You see it in marriages and in family, how it's breaking down because the expectations is not on the Lord. The, our will is not linked with God's will and so our desires are the things we want to see people do when they, they refuse or they cannot the, 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 that's the word most of the times they cannot meet our expectations and so we see our life force has been broken down in worry and in anxiety anxious heart, troubled heart and it makes Satan glad 
when the sons and daughters of God purchased by his own blood are in this kind of situation. So it's like we are slaves chained to his car. See a man that has been paid for, we've been bought. Why then do we go back to sell ourselves in that cheap market? So our prayer, my desire and prayer this morning for us is that we realize that we've been paid for and then we act as those who have to answer for the price. There's a spiritual principle that says that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, ye his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. The reading says that Satan desires to have your brain power and your will, but they belong to Jesus. Like my brother has said before, Satan wants to hack into the possibilities that we are given, the capabilities that God has given to us. And I see no other way than through our desires. He comes behind with, he comes clo- closing his temptations on the ground of our desires. So we feel it's actually us alone. But he prompts it, he creates opportunities that we'll, we will want to fulfill those desires in spite of what the word of God says. Now, I remember the desire can be the desire for ease and idleness like it happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. It can be a desire for women and sex like it did for Samson and David. It can be for money like for Judas or power like for Eve. Satan comes with different desires. When he tempted Jesus, Jesus himself certified and said, The prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me. Why am I explaining or bringing this point to view? It is only as we submit to desires that are against the will of God that we lose the confidence we have before now expressed that we should have in Christ. All the motivations, all the promises of power that God gives to us are lost the moment we leave his service. It's a fearful thing. And I don't want to be in that position. I pray we don't, by the grace of God, as we listen to this, now God will give us the power and the love to stay with him. All the promises of power, the assurance of victory, the assurance of success are lost the moment we lose, we remove ourselves from the service of Christ. They are lost. And Satan has no other way to remove us from that service. To remove us from this assurance than to come in to lure us away from service to Christ and righteousness. He has no other way than to draw us to self-service, to selfishness, to pride and ambition, to appetite. It was Esau. Through appetite, he lost that power. Food. The Spirit of Prophecy talks about that sometimes by, uh, talks about an irregular meal or Overeating gluten can make us lose our physical powers and, and, uh, and strength. A lack of sleep can actually influence th- this brain power. We can lose our self-control, our calmness by the things which we engage, the dress we wear. Satan comes in with even fashion because a quote says that fashion, extravagant fashion, uh, fashion 
can arouse sensual thoughts in the wearer and also lead those who wear it astray to lust after unholy things. But my point is the person who is wearing it also has this feeling which they say is sexiness, it's seduction. But Satan will not come directly to you and ask you to leave the service of Christ. He comes with his appeal to fashion. Satan uses these little things to take advantage of our willpower, our brain power, our life forces. That joy you have in serving God, Satan comes in maybe when you're relaxing, when you're not on watch, to use these things to draw you away from God. Why? Because he knows at this point we are no longer assured or covered by Christ's strength. But we receive power from Satan. I don't know how fearful that sounds. You receive power from Satan to disobey God. And I don't think anyone wants to be a recipient of that. The man in Gadara who was who was possessed by demons, that was how he got the power to break chains. We need to run away from Satan by all means. And that's why you see people who commit suicide. No right human being would like to commit suicide. Or to quarrel with people, be in enmity, to be you know what it takes to be and to be in enmity with someone, to have hatred for someone year in, year out. When you see that person, you you your mind folds year in, year out. Where did you get that power from? That power came from Satan. Now, in order to not to bring ourselves to that low grade, Paul would say in First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, he presents himself as someone who puts himself under the reason i have says he has said i keep under my body i keep under my body the apostle says and this means literally to beat back its desires and impulses and passions by severe discipline even as did those competing for an earthly prize that's what paul said he's doing i keep under my body he the apostle fears for himself lest he shall fail of bearing the examination test and be found wanting and he places himself under severe training so the christian today needs to keep strict guard over his own appetite he needs to subject himself to severe training that he would not run uncertainly or at random without seeing his standard and striving to reach it he must obey the laws of god the physical mental and the moral powers must be kept in the most perfect condition if he would obtain the approval of god so i am reading manuscript 93 1899 so we need to understand why we are putting ourselves subjecting ourselves why we are following the health laws the the this the, the moral laws the civil laws we are trying to put ourselves in the condition where we will not be easily led astray by satan to lose this confidence this wonderful promise that jesus has given us today this this assurance of victory which is inestimable in price in in beating back these impulses passions and ambitions and drives which we see satan wants to use to lure us away from god we need to wield the sword of the word of god which is what jesus did in the temptation in the wilderness know what the bible says about these impulses which are resident in you 
or resident in me. If it is, if it is um, pride, always tell yourself, the Bible says, pride goes before a fall. There are seven things that these things are abominations before God. Keep telling yourself those things. If it is women, at least we know that the Bible talks about um, to look lustfully at a woman is adultery. You keep reminding yourself that in the Bible's command says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. If it is appetite, will the sword beat yourself with the word of God that says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Use the scripture weapons to fight the battle with self. If it is anger, the Bible says, Cease from anger, forsake rot. Know what the Bible says about the desires, the impulses that Satan would want to arouse in your mind. If it is possessions and things that are material, the Bible says that the man beware of covetousness. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So my point is, in fighting the battles, the victory is assured as long as we know what the weapons of the warfare is that we'll be using to be that we will use to cast down the imagination know your scripture weapons and use them our victory will be assured i pray that god will help us to do all we can in our own power to preserve it and not sell it amen let's pray our father in heaven we thank you very much this morning Thank you for your merciful kindness, your love, and your care. We thank you for this wonderful time that we have had together with you. We pray that you help us keep fresh in mind these lessons as we continue our work with all of the activities that we will engage in. We pray that you continue to remind us through the power of your Holy Spirit that we may resist temptation, that we may resist every inclination toward evil. Thank you very much for granting us such opportunity to learn from your word. Be with us throughout the day, that in the evening we can come back and say thanks to your name as we look back for the wonderful things that you have done for us. For we prayed in Jesus' name.